Please turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. Today we conclude our series in the book of 1 Peter, and next week we begin our series on the Ten Commandments. And every moment that we have spent in this book of 1 Peter has been so rich. God has been very good to us in giving us the book of 1 Peter. And verse 12 of chapter 5 really is a summary of the entire letter, which in a few moments we are going to have read in its entirety, the book of 1 Peter. For now, let's read, beginning in chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. This is God's holy and authoritative word. By Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. May God bless the preaching of his word. There is an influential and troubling trend in Christianity in our day. It's called deconstruction. Uh, people are in great numbers deconverting from Christianity, becoming ex-evangelicals, uh, becoming theologically progressive, tearing down the church, embracing moral relativism, and abandoning the faith. There's in fact a former pastor and friend of mine who walked this very path. It is not countercultural. It is not unique. It is the broad path that many are traveling in this cultural moment, and it brings tears to our eyes because it is a failure to stand firm. Many of us know people, and there are even some in the church and in our families who through winds of false doctrine or immoral living are failing to stand firm. And brothers and sisters, what the Lord wants to say to us today, what I want to say to us today, is that we must stand firm. It is precisely because of the presence of trials and the reality of suffering, including unjust suffering, it is precisely because of the roaring lion who seeks to devour the people of God that we must stand firm. And some of you may feel in your heart and in your soul today this need, the need to stand firm. You know the trials of life are real. You know the attacks of the evil one are real. How can we stand firm? The whole reason that God has given us the book of 1 Peter is so that you and I might stand firm in the true grace of God. 
At the close of this letter, Peter mentions three associates. Silvanus, who is the, the courier, the, the bringer of this letter. Mark, and she who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, we're told. Likely exile language, Babylon. Uh, referring here, though, to the church community Peter belonged to. He is sending greetings from his church. But at the heart of these closing verses is verse 12. Where Peter says, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. There is one glorious word that summarizes the message of 1 Peter and empowers us to stand firm. That word, grace. The grace of God. The true Grace of God. In a world of lies and deception, there is something that is true. It is the true grace of God. And everything Peter has written in this letter is the true grace of God. All of the work that Christ has done for us and the glorious future that we have in Him. All of the commands and the way of godly living the reason for their trials in chapter 1 and the result of their trials in chapter 5. All of it is the good news of the true grace of God. And Peter is clear that even his exhortations are to be understood as grace. He says, this is what I have been exhorting. This is what I have been declaring. The true grace of God. Sometimes people tell me, oh, all, all you're ever talking about is grace. Yes, that is because that is the way of Scripture. All of our exhortations are gracious. All of our declarations are gracious. All of the convicting work of the Holy Spirit and the warnings of Scripture are gracious. Behold the true grace of God revealed in Jesus Christ. You want to know how can I stand firm? This is how. This is how we stand firm. The grace of God. God is revealing His grace throughout this entire letter, and He is calling Covenant Fellowship Church to stand firm in the true grace of God. What better way to conclude this series than to have 1 Peter read in its entirety, and that is exactly what we are going to do today as the climactic conclusion to this series. And so I'd like to invite the scripture readers at this time to join me on the stage, five readers, and each will read a chapter. Uh, George Otieno, Charity Emfield, Jeff Shinella, Lily Muir, and Martin Keeney. Uh, this is... This is more scripture than we are accustomed to listening to, although Peter does say that he has written briefly. As we, as we listen, as we listen, we must listen in the proper way. We must listen with hearts of faith anticipating that the Holy Spirit is present and active here and now. And we must pray that God uses the reading of His Word to reveal once again the true grace of God and that in this moment, through the reading of God's Word, He would be equipping us and helping us to stand firm in the true grace of God. By His grace, we will be changed as we sit under the reading 
of his word. And so let's listen together. First Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are the elect of exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary. You have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not know, now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which the angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as a father who judges impartially according to each one's deed, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited for your forefathers, not with the perishable things such as the silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb, without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him, from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth 
for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly for a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and the abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all is growing like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves are like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you, as sojourners and exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh with wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject, for the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls.
Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you are called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered, once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. 
Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each one has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is a time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of the God? And if the righteous are scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and of the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, you servants as overseers, not by compulsion but willingly, not for dishonest gain but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you will receive the crown of glory, which, is, which does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with, for, with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the truth, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in all the world. But may the grace of God and the God of all grace who called us to eternal glory in Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Sylvanus, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you. 
so also does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. What a book. This is the true grace of God. And we have been reminded throughout this book and even reminded through this reading of Scripture that we are God's elect, that we are sprinkled with the blood of Christ. We've been reminded that our Savior is the one who was foreknown before the creation of the world as the spotless Lamb of God, that He is the one who bore our sins in His body on the tree. He is the one who suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God. He is the one who has caused us to be born again through His resurrection from the dead. And we've been reminded of our whole identity as exiles and strangers and living stones who are being built together. We have been challenged to live a gracious life, even and especially when we are mistreated by the surrounding culture. We have been called to holiness. We have been reminded of the eternal inheritance, the grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. How are we to relate to this true grace of God? Exhort and declare it and Stand firm in it. Oh, to be a church, to be brothers and sisters who are standing firm, not in our own strength, but in the grace of God. Edmund Clowney describes what it means to be a Christian when he says, commenting on this verse, they cling to the grace of God, not what they have done for God, but what God has done for them. Friends, what are you clinging to today? Not your labors for God, not your good works. Cling to the grace of God. Cling to what he has done for you in Christ. Stand firm in the grace of God. And there are two specific fruits of standing firm in grace mentioned in verse 14, love and peace. To stand firm is to go on being a community of love and peace. Love, verse 14, greet one another with the kiss of love. This kiss was the ritual Greeting of the touching of cheeks common among family and close friends. In our culture, it could be a handshake or a hug or a kiss on the cheek. Uh, the idea is not a particular ritual or practice, but that Christians, the people who belong to Christ, the God of love, would be a community of love and would demonstrate outwardly the affection they have for each other. Peter's emphasized love throughout this letter, and it's no surprise that he returns to it here. It's in chapter 1, verse 22, chapter 2, verse 17, chapter 3, verse 8, chapter 4, verse 8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. The church is to be a community of love. Whatever hostility and hatred you have known in the course of your life, you belong to a family here in the church. 
and whatever divisions exist in the surrounding culture, here we are united in love. Tom Schreiner says the kiss of love shows that no ethnic group, no gender, no social class is better than another. Believers are united in Christ to one another. And Dan Duriani says Peter wanted the whole church and each church to know the benefits of familial love. At the least, we more richly experience grace when we are together. We help each other stand in God's grace. This is one way that Jesus, the chief shepherd, cares for us as we move toward the eternal glory that God promises us. Church family, we must maintain the bonds of Christian love. And to do that, we have to be together. We have to spend time with each other and we have to help each other. We have to be instruments used by God to help each other stand firm. You can't do it on your own. We need the Christian community, brothers and sisters, to stand by us and to help us as we move toward that eternal glory that God promises us. A community of love and then peace as well. You see here, Peter gives a closing benediction. If you think benedictions are too formal and formulaic for Christians to use today, your objection is not just with uh, other Christians, but with the word of God and with God himself. Study the great benedictions of scripture. They are glorious. And here we have one of them. His closing benediction is, peace be to all of you who are in Christ. He began the letter with a declaration of grace and peace. And he ends with these same themes because standing firm in the true grace of God gives peace. It gives peace. Your trials are many. Your stress is great. Difficulties surround you. And yet today, brothers and sisters, you can know peace. You can experience and live in the good of this peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Peace be to all of you who are united to Jesus Christ. Peter says, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm. In it. I want to invite the band to return as we close, and I'd like to invite everyone to stand as well. Throughout this series, the pastors have been exhorting and declaring the true grace of God. And as we close this series, I want to take this moment to exhort each one of you to stand firm in the true grace of God. That we might be a church community that takes our stand here. Those who have experienced the grace of God, how can we not stand firm in it? Continue in this grace. 
Brothers and sisters, rejoice in this grace. Hope in this grace. Never move on from this grace. You remember Peter had previously denied Jesus and failed him, and then he experienced grace himself and learned to stand firm in it. Peter was a man who knew his own sin and knew the greater riches of God's grace. (laughs) Two things he knew, two things I know. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. He is a glorious Savior, and we've seen that throughout this book. And because God is our help, we will, by His grace, stand firm when the fiery trials come upon us to test us, and they will. By the grace of God, we will stand firm when the roaring lion seeks to devour us. We will stand firm. As a church community, as persecution rises against us, we will stand firm knowing that Christ walked this road of suffering before us. We will stand firm knowing that we not only share in his sufferings now, but will one day share in the glory that will be revealed. Christian, do you have a living hope today? Do you have a living hope? Gloriously so. Stand firm in that grace. Have you been born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? Stand firm in that grace. Are you even now being guarded by God's power until that final day? Stand firm in that grace. Are you a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession? Stand firm in that grace. And after you have suffered a little while, after you've suffered a little while, will the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will he himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you? Yes, he will. Stand firm in that grace. Church, this is the true grace of God. May we stand firm in it all our days for the glory of our God and Savior, amen.